So good evening, everyone, and welcome to our, the beginning of a new series. The title of this series is 10 Steps to the New Spiritual You. Would you join me in prayer, please? Our blessed, loving Heavenly Father, it is our desire, Father, to be better each day as we go about studying your word and learning more about you. And Father, we know that in order to achieve this, Father, requires effort on our parts. It is not something that someone else can do for us, Father, but it's something we need to do for ourselves. And Heavenly Father, each and every day, Father, if we look back at all, let's look back to see if we have improved. But mainly, Father, let's focus on the future, Father, because we know if we focus on Christ Jesus each and every day, if we meditate on your word each and every day, Father, we cannot help but be the better you that you will have us be. Father, as we venture into this lesson, Father, we pray that all here, Father, would, would, would be able to grow from it and learn from it and glean something from it to, to use in our lives. Father, as we venture through the lesson and get through the thought questions, Father, let, let us be willing to speak up because it's, it's, it's nothing to, it's not a test, but here's a question, something for you to think about and something to respond to if you so desire. Let none of us be uh, concerned about how others may think of what we said, Father, because that is not the point. Heavenly Father, we love you so very much. These things we pray and thank you for in Christ Jesus' most holy name. Amen. So in this introductory lesson then, we will lay out the path taken uh, for our spiritual journey. When we look at this lesson itself, what we find is this. this. This lesson is and was designed to allow participation using a series of thought-provoking questions. And, and I can't say this enough. Participation is voluntary. Participation is voluntary, which means I won't call anybody out like Terry. We'll answer this question. I won't do that. It's all voluntary. What we will find during this lesson is uh, my brother Dan, our brother Danny uh, Elmore and I, uh, we have teamed up to facilitate this series. And the way it will work is I will bring the first five lessons starting tonight, and brother Danny will, will take the last five weeks of the 10-week series and, uh, and finish up at that time. Before we begin, I, I do want to give credit to someone. I want to give credit to two people, actually. First, I want to give credit to uh, to a book that was written by uh, Chuck Spindall. And that book is entitled, So You Want to Be Like Christ. Now, that book served as a guide for our brother in Christ from Edmond, Oklahoma, in the development of this series. Mike is, um, so when we look at this series then, this series was developed for study by mature Christians, and you'll see what I mean by that in a minute as we get there. So if we start out, I have two rhetorical questions, which means no response required. You can think about them if you want to, but no response required. R rhetorical question number one. If you could be like anyone in history, who would that be and why? Now, when you first hear that question, you may think like, whoa. That's a non-threatening question. I like that. That's an easy answer there. Because, you know, I can be like a family member. I can be like a, a teacher or a coach. I can be like a successful artistic uh, person or uh, 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 some historical figure. And when we look at it like that, we find that the list goes on and on of those that we can be like. 
That takes us to the next question. What do you need to be like in order to be like Christ? Hmm. Now, this question might not be as easy to answer. It may not be as easy to discuss as that first question. But you know, brethren, we can learn a lot from great achievers and and people we love. But as Christians, as Christians, the one person we should strive to actually be like is Christ Jesus. And so... In the following lessons, then, the next, this lesson and the lessons to follow, we will examine 10 steps that will help each and every one of us who are believers come much closer with this spiritual ideal. This spiritual ideal is being being Christ-like. So the first step to the new spiritual you is discipline. Self-control, self-discipline, personal discipline. By definition, as we want to use it in this particular series here, discipline is intended here to train or develop by instruction and exercise, especially in self-control. Training in self-control. At Romans chapter 12, Romans chapter 12 at verses 1 and 2. It's not going to be on the slide. So you, you'll be in your Bibles there on your, on your instruments. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. The Bible reads, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is our spiritual worship, or your spiritual worship. It continues by saying, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God is, what is good, what is acceptable, what is perfect. In this text, you saw the term transformed. When we think of transform, look at it like this. Transformation of any kind begins with a first step, if you will. And it begins with the beginning of the new spiritual you. The you that is more like Christ. And again, that first step is personal discipline. Now, some may think, some may think that the first step should be faith which sounds good, or repentance, or baptism, or good works, etc., etc., etc. But remember something about this course that we started out in the beginning saying, this course is for mature Christians. This course is for mature Christians who have already mastered these basic things. Faith, repentance, baptism, good works. And Because we're talking about mature Christians, we should be, as we read in Hebrews 6, at verse 1. The Bible there says, Therefore, let us have, let us rather leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. Hebrews 5, verse 12. Hebrews 5 and verse 12, it encourages spiritual growth which leads to maturity. 
At verse 12, the Bible reads, For by this time, you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. The road, the road to spiritual maturity begins at the point of discipline. It begins at the point of self-discipline. I want to some of us probably remember this guy from way back when. There was a football coach many years ago by the name of Tom Landry. He took coach the Dallas Cowboys. He defined his job as a football coach the following way. He said, my job as a football coach is to get men to do what they don't want to do in order to achieve what they have always wanted to achieve think about that for a moment preachers might define their work in a similar fashion in that they may say my job is to make people do things they don't want to do in order to receive the things they need so in this sense in this sense we can say that discipline is a it's a virtue or skill that enables a person to, to perform determined, deliberate, definable actions toward a clear goal. And that clear goal is to be Christ-like. Preachers, therefore, you can say they're like coaches in that they help church members discipline themselves for the goal of Christ-likeness, a goal. That requires change in the individual, to change in each and every one of us. And this change is, and this change at every step, I should say, requires discipline. So then, with that said, the role of discipline has a purpose in spiritual maturity. We look at 1 Timothy 4. At verse 7. And what we find is that uh, 1 Timothy 4 verse 7 is an important passage that is relative to the pursuit of spiritual maturity, to the pursuit of godliness, as it is referred to in the Bible and, and, and in this passage. And in this passage, Paul actually writes this. He says, but have nothing to do with worldly fables fit only for old women. On the other hand, discipline yourselves for the purpose of of godliness. Timothy, when we think back in that time, Timothy lived in Ephesus. I don't know how much you know about Ephesus, but it was rich. The people that were rich. It was sexually impure. It was worldly. It was a cosmopolitan type of a city. It was a place with many distractions and, and temptations for a young Christian man without much experience in life as well as ministry. And if you think about that, it sounds like many of the large cities today, even Anchorage. 
so what does Paul do? What does Paul do? He encourages Timothy to cultivate the first step on the road to spiritual maturity, to piety, to godliness, which is cultivate your personal discipline. Paul uses the Greek word. That Greek word is uh, gymnazo, uh, from which we get the English word gymnasium. Now, there are other thoughts that come from this root word as well, and those thoughts are train yourself or condition yourself. Now, when we think of the activity, the activity of discipline, the activity of exercise, what we find is that it has two features, two features. Number one, uh, the first feature then is this right here. It is repetitive training. For anyone who's ever gone to the gym, and I call myself going over there and playing around with the weights, they always say, you know, you do 10 of these, 10 of these, put it down, wait for us, you can do 10 more, 10 more. Yeah, it's repetition. Get the muscles trained. So I have been training my muscles for a while now, so I guarantee you I can pick up 25 pounds easy. So did you guys know? Okay. So, so, but I got there by repetition. So the first step in this training is repetitive training, which is to say, making the right choices over and over and over again. It's repeatedly resisting temptation and it's constantly prioritizing the things of God over the things of the world. So that's number one. Now, again, we're talking about effort, okay? We're talking about effort. Discipline requires doing these things, I can't say that enough, over and over again until they become second nature, doing them over and over again until they become a part of not what we are, but who we are, until they become a part of how we are known to other people. Now, the second feature of discipline is that it cultivates a sense of personal responsibility where you take ownership of the process of your own spirituality. At Philippians chapter 2 at verse 12, it reminds us of this quite often when we read it. Philippians 2 at verse 12, the Bible reads, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence. And then it gets to the root of where we're going here. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. What is this saying to us right here? You know, sometimes we say, I'm a good Christian because my parents were Christians when I was born, and therefore I'm a good Christian because, and I got that way because I got close to my mom and my dad and I rubbed elbows with them. It's called osmosis, but it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. You see, when we talk about working out our own spirituality and fear and trembling, working out our own salvation, if you will, and fear and trembling, what we're saying is this. It is no longer the goal of our parents to get us there. It is no longer the goal of the preacher to get us there. But we have, we have taken on the full responsibility for growing in Christ Jesus. It's, it, this is my Savior. This is my God. Yeah, yeah Pops. Just this way. Yeah, Pops, he's yours. Mom, he's yours. But he's also mine. He's mine. And, it's, and you know, God is big enough that each and every one of us in here can say, he's mine. Christ Jesus is big enough that each and every one of us in here can say, he's mine. 
and that power that they have is not depleted whatsoever. Not whatsoever. So, the goal then, when we talk about the new spiritual you, the goal is spiritual maturity. Or in other words, the ability to exercise the full presence of God in my life. My life. Make it personal. This experience becomes a preview for what heaven will be like and enables the believer to have a no doubt, enables the believer to have no fear about his salvation. No doubt, no fear about when it comes to anxiety about the world that he presently lives in, no matter how dark and dreary it may get, no matter how dangerous it might become at times. And, and let's face it, this world does become dangerous at times. We have just as many, I wouldn't say just as many, but we have quite a few drive-bys here in Anchorage just like we do in every other place. We have shootings here just like we do in, there, in other places. We have crime like we do in other places. But each day, here's the point, each day, we are presented with the opportunity, the opportunity to experience the good, the bad, and the ugly. And sometimes it's a choice we make. Other times, other times, it's a matter of circumstances. It is this spiritual condition that allows Paul to say with all assurance to the same Timothy as he contemplates, if you will, his fast approaching execution in a Roman arena. I'm talking about 2 Timothy 4, verses 6 through 8. 2 Timothy 4, verses 6 through 8. The Bible reads, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. In the future there is reserved for me the crown of righteousness, which is Lord. The righteous judge will award to me on that day, and not only to me, now he's starting to talk about us, but also to all who have loved his appearance. Isn't that something? In the first century, Paul is telling you, I'm ready for what's about to happen to me. But folks, you folks in 2022, it can be that way for you too. In 2022, it can be that way for you too. To arrive at this level of spiritual maturity is not just something Paul can do. It's something any of us can do. To arrive at this level of spiritual maturity, one has to master several spiritual exercises, if you will. And each of those spiritual exercises enables the believer to grow in godliness, to grow in piety, to grow in Christ's likeness. And again, the first of these is what we're talking about tonight. Personal discipline. Personal discipline. Personal discipline is essentially training yourself to do. Training yourself to think those things which your flesh resists in order to gain the things you need in order to gain the things that you desire to obtain which is spiritual maturity 
in this series, we will discuss nine other steps needed in order to reach my goal of spiritual maturity. Okay. It's voluntary. Remember that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have five questions. There's not a right or wrong answer. And the only person you can say to that that is a stupid response is me. You can't say it to anyone else in here. You can only say it to me. I do this with my, not that you guys are children, but when I'm doing uh, high school classes, middle school, middle, uh, middle school classes, and even elementary school classes, I let the kids know that. And the only person you call stupid, they don't do that, parents, okay? <laughs> they don't do that, but I let them know. The only person you can say is a stupid answer or a question is James, but not your fellow class members. There's a reason for that. And what I found is nobody said it to anybody, which is kind of neat. They did look at me kind of strange sometimes, and I was trying to read their minds, but I'm not sure what they were thinking. But anyway, let's get to these questions here. So as promised, this is a participatory series for mature Christians. So question number one, I'll give you guys a moment to think about it. What are your thoughts? I have a microphone I'll bring to you. What are your thoughts or feelings a study such as this can be a benefit to you. Anybody need a mic? Oh, yes. Ah, sorry. Oh, well, we, we record. Well, we got people listening online. <laughs> yeah, my thought is, is that every opportunity to be in the Word is going to be a benefit. And so every opportunity to be in the Word together is going to be a benefit. So I think that every chance I get to be in the Word, it is benefiting me. Anyone else? Oh. Tracy deliberately sat way over here so she can watch me run. So what Pam said, yes, amen to that. And also for me personally, because I am currently working on self-discipline issues. So I think this will be very good for me. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Was that a hand? No. Okay. No one else? Okay. That's okay. Because we have a question number two. Question number two. Now, this is really, this is one of those difficult ones here, really. Describe your best spiritual attribute. And if you're really feeling good, describe your worst fleshly weakness to the degree that you are comfortable with sharing, if you are comfortable with sharing. Anyone? I think my best spiritual attribute would be my faith and my worst fleshly weakness. I guess I can say I inherited it. I come from a lot of strong-willed folks. I tease my kids. I say it's the Viking in me. So, yeah, I can I can be short-tempered. Thank you. Now, that's a tough one there. 
Anyone else? Let me see. Spiritual attribute. And, and uh, it's called compassion. Because what I have learned from being a Christian, I take it into the workforce, the type of work that I do. And compassion is a big player there, not just for the, the job, the clientele that I work with, but what I find sometimes when it comes to compassion is that my my biggest uh, customer is not that person that I get paid to serve in the sense that that's why I'm in that business, but it's also those staff members that work under me. And all of them come from a lot of situations with issues in their lives as well. And it takes a lot of compassion to deal with those individuals, especially in difficult times, because the, the answer is not always to write up a skull. The answer sometimes is like this morning when I went to work before I can sit down even. I mean, I was barreling the door, and I knew I needed to talk to one of my staff members, but she left a message at the front desk. When James comes in, I need to talk to him. So I was in her office 30, maybe 40 minutes just listening to her, just listening. And it was something she needed. In terms of my my uh, fleshly weakness, sometimes I don't know how to say no. And I want to say yes to everything. But, you know, when I do interviews and we talk about what are your weaknesses, anytime you give somebody your weakness, follow it up with what you're doing to fix it. I'm learning not to say yes to everything. <laughs> I'm learning not to say yes to everything. I'm picking and choosing. Anyone else? Well, I think that my biggest spiritual attribute is compassion and encouragement to others and knowing that they, if I can read people's faces, if they're having a bad day or a great day. And I think that my worst fleshly weakness right now is just self-doubt in myself of the new things I'm going through right now in my life and trying to find who I need to be. You said who, right? Yeah. Chinese proverb. What I am, I could never change. Who I am is always changing. And I love that because I could not change the fact that I was born a poor black kid in Tuscaloosa, Alabama in 19... Okay. (laughs) But the who I am is changing every day. The who I am is changing every day, especially as Christians, because as we say in the word of God, the who that God wants us to be will improve every day. Question number, that was number two. Number three. Ah, aside from Jesus, we have to, okay. I love it just right here because normally that's the first place we want to go. We're not saying Jesus is less here, but we're saying aside from Jesus, which Bible character inspires you and why? Bible person that inspires me is um, Barnabas because he's a son of encouragement. And I try to be a son of encouragement pass it on to others. Anyone else? Oh, yeah. I I love this question. My favorite person is Daniel. Um, And it's because I work in the world system 
And so I read the book of Daniel to see how somebody who's committed to God and still work in the world system, how do you balance that? And so I, I see Daniel as a person who worked for the government, you know, Nebuchadnezzar and all that system. And no matter what the world was doing, he stayed committed to his belief and his faith in God. And so that inspires me as a person who goes out and works in the world every day. And how do I stay committed to the Lord even though, um, you know, I'm working for Nebuchadnezzar? And so I'm very inspired by Daniel and the book of Daniel. Thank you. Uh, aside from Jesus, my Bible character inspires me would be Job. And I love the book of Job because it not only shows us the patience, it shows us gratitude. Um, I love the part where Job and, and, and God talked to one another. And when God had asked him, basically, who are you to ask me why I'm going through these things? Why are you going through these things? So it doesn't matter what we are going through. Job not once cursed God or pretty much blamed him. He didn't do that. So not only did Job love his God, he loved his family. And he was crushed when his children died. We, we, we read the book of Job, it's like in passing. We have to really stop and, and concentrate on what's happening to him. He woke up a millionaire that day. He was the richest man in, in the part of East, the eastern part. And so he went from the richest man to homeless almost. No family, all his money gone, animals gone, servants gone. But he still loved his God. Thank you. Anyone else? My favorite uh, Bible character is Joshua. And the reason why is because of the uh, difficult assignment he had after the death of Moses to lead the children of Israel. So uh, Joshua is my guy. And my favorite verse in the Bible is Joshua 1 and 9. And uh, I won't quote that, so just get your Bible and read it. <laughs> Anyone else? Oh, yes. You know, this is going to be a great five weeks here because I'm probably going to lose about 10 pounds. <laughs> well, I, I think the person that really inspired me in the Bible is Esther um, because she kind of was thinking about, she had a really hard time trying to be with people that wanted to hurt the, her people. And also she was very brave to talk to the king and everything like that. So she kind of inspired me to keep on not giving up on God and trust God and just be encouraging to others. Thank you. Anyone else? Anyone else? My favorite one has always been Paul, and the reason so is because of his tenacity. He he persecuted the church with the with the with the vehement tenacity, if you will. And once he was converted, he went about the, the business of preaching the gospel. You might almost say with a vehement tenacity. He didn't miss a beat. 
and and sometimes I think that gets the best of me because I want to be going at a at a speed that I may not be ready to go at yet. But but I always like how Paul went about doing that. Um, next question. Now this one right here. Oops. Look where I'm going. Which of the following Bible characters can you relate to best and why? I think we kind of got that covered in the last question, except here they're giving you some other choices versus. Uh, so I think we're good there on this one, unless somebody want to tackle something up there. Okay, number five. Okay, we are talking about personal discipline. So what is usually the cause of your lack of personal discipline? What do you do and say when you fail? And that's a toughie. That was like the first, the second question, the second rhetorical question. It's a toughie. Anybody? Because I have it. I'm in control. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> Anyone else? With me, sometimes I just lose focus. Um, because I have so many things going on. Uh, to show you what I mean, I'm a Christian, and I serve as an elder of a congregation that's just like every other congregation in the United States or in the world. I'm a person dealing with people and different personalities. So that's one thing I got going on. I'm a supervisor, and I have a lot, especially some young people that I have working for me that can really use uh, a fatherly figure in their life. So I, so, so I got that to, to, that I deal with as well. And then um, I'm a president of a homeowners association. Again, you got all those personalities, right? And so sometimes, it, it, because I lose focus, my discipline kind of wanes a little bit. So, so what I have to do is, is, is just stop for a moment. Just stop for a moment and get refocused. And, and sometimes it's easier than other times. But and over time, it gets to be easier to do it than than initially because it, it, initially I, I, I might stop for a moment and almost take a step back, and next thing I know, I'm going forward already instead of taking that step back and settling down for a moment to actually, you might say, see the big picture. And so, I guess that's it. I don't always see the big picture. So, are there any more comments or um, before we? wrap this up yes uh, maybe to touch on a couple of the previous questions but um, so like uh, no that's okay I gotta be in my head <laughs> Uh, your strongest spiritual attribute, I would say, is well, I don't have one. And I mean that in the context of, um, and it kind of goes with what's your worst uh, fleshly problem, and that's pride um, and arrogance and thinking, well, my life is more important. Why don't people do things the way I think they should do them? 
Um, why do I not care about other people in different circumstances? And then to turn that upside down and then come to God and say, I don't have anything to bring to you. I just need everything that you have to give me. Um, and and I, so <laughs> to say I don't have a spiritual attribute is just trying to say just to empty yourself and let God fill you with everything that he has that's good and holy and righteous um, and helps you walk each and every day. And then to tie that in with who inspires you, I've always been a big fan of Josiah, um, especially when he reads the, the law and he's just, you know, his mind is open and he's blown away um, and it just touched him uh, emotionally and spiritually. And then to try and cultivate that same response when we read the word to then go back and get rid of my arrogance and my pride and let God fill me with his message. Um, and so to answer this question, number five, um, it's, this, it's just the same thing over and over again. It's pride. Um, I don't want to get better because I'm already perfect. Well, but I'm not perfect. I have things to fix. And then what I do when I fail, when I can humble myself, is I try to pray. I try to get on my knees and I just talk to God or, you know, let a moment come and, you know, let his spirit do its job and, and so that's that's my answer. Well, thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? See, she she thinks I'm old. That's why she's doing this. I know you're older. <laughs> so I just want to say I'll sit to Tim that that was an incredibly humble answer and I know you weren't trying to be humble. It just was. Um and that my worst fleshly is everything. Like selfishness, cigarettes, I mean, it's just, and stress is make, makes me want to um, do those things. But my best spiritual so far, <laughs> or what I think that I'm on the right track is that when I recognize it, I work so hard to fix it. And I don't stop until I keep, I just keep going until I fix it. And then God shows me something else. So I'm forever fixing something. And, and will ever be for fixing things. And that's a good thing that I see that. Thank you, Tim. That was a really good, really good response. All right. Thank you. Anyone else? No, I think that the thing that caused my lack of personal discipline is basically when I think of um, Romans 12 1 it says present yourself a living sacrifice and when I don't deny myself I'm you know my personal discipline is always interrupted and so what do you do or say when you fail I, I immediately know that when I deny myself which is what we're required to do and um and go to the Father, you know, and typically I think um, what she was saying is like we just grow weary in our flesh. And um, and I love that scripture that says, come to me, you know, all you who are heavy burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And so what I do is I just immediately run back to the Father because he's the only one that can, you know, get me back. And he says, you know, there's no condemnation. All that is in him. So the enemy doesn't remind me, you know, you were acting up yesterday. You know what I mean? So um, so it's really when I don't deny myself. And 
to follow Christ, the biggest discipline is really to be a living sacrifice, which means you, you basically put yourself on the altar while you're living. And I used to say, God, just kill me. He's like, no, 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 you, you have to die. And so dying to self is, is difficult. And so that's, that's the biggest thing that interrupts my personal discipline. I want to thank all of you for your comments tonight. Uh, what I plan to do, and Tracy, I'll get this to you tomorrow. I will get you those thought questions to put in the bulletin so people have a chance to see them and, and think about them. So in closing then, it should be, it should be our daily goal to become a better person every day. Now, when we talk about a better person, what we're saying is this right here. My goal is to, become, is to be a better person today compared to the person I was yesterday. And you're comparing yourself against yourself and where you are. And when you think about being a better person today than I was yesterday, we have to realize that this is admirable. This is admirable. And the logic should convince us that life happens. The good, the bad, and the ugly happens. The logic should also remind us that living the life of God, God our Heavenly Father, will have us live, that he would have us live through Christ Jesus then requires effort. And when we talk about effort, being faithful, being faithful for a lifetime, it requires effort. Hearing and obeying God's word, becoming a Christian, being baptized into Christ Jesus, coming to Christ requires effort. Resisting temptation over and over, trying even after we fail and we will fail, requires effort. Faithful to the church and not just worship but also in service requires effort. Faithful in our complete trust of God in the fact that God can and will save us even when we are completely discouraged requires effort. Genuine effort. Not a pseudo effort, but a genuine father. I am going to give you my all today. Matthew chapter 22 at verse 37. Christ Jesus was asked a million dollar question. What is the greatest commandment of all? And Christ Jesus responded, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your soul. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your mind. And this is equivalent. This is equivalent of giving God our all, all day, every day. And should I fail, and should I fail, I will get up. I will take note of the positives while not dwelling on the negatives and continuing on. Should I not fail, I will continue on. I will not rest on past accomplishments, but strive to gain more wisdom so that I can truly know God better. Next week, we will look at the next step, which is drawing closer to God. I want to thank everyone for joining us tonight, those who are here in person as well as online. For those who are online and not familiar with us, we have our contact information on the slide up there. you got any questions, please call us, write us, come by. Matter of fact, for those online that don't identify with us, you are welcome. You are welcome to join us on Sundays and Wednesdays to, to worship God with us and study God's word with us. In a moment, in a moment, 
We will be having a devotional. I hope uh, you all can stay for that because the men who go about the business of putting those devotionals together really devote a lot of time into it. And there's one man, there are two men in particular in this in this room tonight that I've been working on for a while now. And eventually, we're going to get them up there for that devotional. <laughs> So then, thank you all again for joining us tonight, and uh, look forward to seeing you next Wednesday. Well, look forward to seeing you Sunday, actually, but next Wednesday for the continuing series.